You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. News team, assemble! For the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Featuring site publishers Carrie Murdoch and Josh McQuistian, along with videographer Eddie Radosovich. It's the unofficial 40 on Soonerscoop.com. All right, welcome back. Another edition of the unofficial 40 is uh, the whole gang is returned. Uh, for uh, we're about a month away, a month and two days away from the start of Big Twelve Media Days uh, down in Frisco, Texas, at the Star, where uh, we had the first one last year. It was a really nice event. It was the first uh, chance that Lincoln Riley had in public to be the head coach. Uh, but that is coming up quickly. Plus, we've got Atlanta coming up here at the end of this month for the Five Star Challenge, uh, where it appears the opening hates rivals. Uh, they're all going to be at the same time. Uh, we'll talk more about that, but joining us now is uh, our man Josh McQuistian, who made it by the scare of his, uh, the hair of his skinny, I mean, what is that? The hair of your chinny chin chin, chinny hair, or something like that? Some, yeah. Skin of some your teeth. Skin of your hair, by the skin of his teeth? Skin of your teeth. Where did hair and chinny chin chin come from? That's Damn. three little pigs. That's three, three little, little pigs. pigs. Oh, okay. <laughs> by the skin of his teeth. Yes. Mm-hmm. Josh McQuistian has joined us, uh, dealing with the sick kids. Which once again don't have kids. Uh, Eddie Radosovich is always here. won. What? Wouldn't the wolf has always won in the Three Little Pigs? Like the three pigs sucked. It well, it's a hostage situation. All he's got to do is wait them out. I mean, they eventually have to come out. They're pigs. They're gonna eat. Yeah, it's a true story. Uh, Eddie, that's Eddie Radosovich, who has started his uh, crisis actor business based on last week's po- podcast. In full force, just need a, yeah. Uh, Bob Prisbello is here as well. To go to. Need another volcano somewhere on another continent. Yeah, I was gonna say something else, but we'll something about on. Trump. No, <laughs> it was gonna be worse than that. Okay. <laughs> yes, let's move on. So, uh, anyway, it's been a, a busy couple of weeks. Camp season is uh, sort of winding down. Like I said, the five star is coming. Uh, the opening will be in uh, Dallas this year, but apparently we will not be there because the opening hates rivals. Um, again, we'll talk more about that. But I think the most pressing thing to talk about is the release of the newest rivals rankings, uh, which went over like a lead balloon on the Crimson Corner yesterday because uh, RJ Henderson lost his fifth star. Spencer Rattler didn't gain a fifth star yet. Uh, and uh, now Alabama, just after getting a commitment, they have distanced themselves a little bit from Oklahoma in the team rankings, at least the rivals' rankings. Uh, so let's start with you, Josh, uh, Mr. Recruiting Publisher. What's the message uh, for what happened yesterday to some of uh, OU's class in the newest rivals' rankings? Josh, are you there? Have you muted yourself? Damn it! Did it again! Damn it! Damn it! Damn it! So yeah, I was I was halfway through explaining why you know I, I think I, I know OU fans are going to be upset, and it's it's one of those things where it's why rivals is always tries to be really cautious about five stars. It's why they start with ten or twelve, and then slowly build to that twenty five or thirty that they usually end up with in every class, but. R.J. Henderson, I, I've seen him two straight years in game action. I've seen him in camp settings. I never understood him as a five-star. And and part of that, I, I want to own, I'm a tough critic. I'm, a, I'm one of those guys that's really tough to 
impressed. And it, I, you know, I guess I probably could have just been doing this so long. Like it, it's, said, I've seen a lot. You've said this behind it, the scenes, Josh, that you've been more impressed with Trajan Bridges than you were RJ Henderson. Oh yeah. To, to me, there's no question. If you were going to tell me one was 27 and one was, I think, what was it, 67 for Trajan, that I would have it completely reversed. I mean, I, I think, if anything, we've got Trajan a little too low and we've got RJ a little too high still. So, I, you know, and, and I know you fans don't like to hear that kind of stuff, but that's when I tell you that I think, you know, I don't know, you, you go down the list, Theo Weiss or whoever, and I can say that guy is where he should be. You can know it's not just a homer thing. Like I, I just I'm gonna tell you what I see. And with RJ Henderson, I see a guy that has some skills, kind of like Sterling Shepard. But at the same time, I don't see the com- what made Sterling so special was how competitive he was. He would fight for everything. He was gonna go make the tough catch. I- I've been to two different RJ Henderson games, and in both of them, if I wasn't looking for him, I wouldn't have known he was there. And that's. That's scary when you're talking about an elite guy. I mean, it, it, that shouldn't happen. Those guys should jump off the page at you. Now, I'm trying to figure this out. Now, R.J. Henderson, he came to uh, Rivals Camps before his junior year, right? But has he come to any before his senior year? No, he didn't go so to didn't any get, this year. Right and thought, I think yeah. that's some of it, too. And, and people are going to say, oh, it's a punishment. It's not a punishment. It's other guys did come. Other guys impressed. And if well, you're a five star, and this is not to, uh, to me, this is just me thinking out loud. If you're a five star, and, and and one of the people that's responsible for giving you a five star has a camp uh, that you can go to for free and get gear and all that stuff, I think that you'd want to go and say, "Hey, I want to I want to go and show these people that I am I, I am a five star." Well, especially when you consider we're the only one in the industry that had him as a five star. You would think that, I, and I, I don't begrudge him this, but you would expect that there would be, I don't know, some sort of I want to prove you right kind of kind of feeling about that. So it didn't happen. RJ went to the Houston Nike camp, from what I understand, was very good there that day. Uh, that was like right after signing day, so I didn't actually go to that one. I went to the Dallas Nike. But, um, uh, you know, it's just one of those situations where I don't think this is as big a deal as everyone wants to make it. If if R.J. Henderson stays where he is right now and Rivals drops him no further, he'll still end up a five-star. And at that point, what do you care, really? I mean, I, that, that's what everybody's talking about. The Spencer Rattler thing, I, I, I'll let Bob dive into that a little bit. We need to get Bob into the, bo- into the pod here a little bit. But I, I disagree. with. I have a lot bigger issue with that than I do R.J. Henderson. Well, Bob, uh, Phil, and by the way, I want to say this. Just to be clear, I'm not. I'm not as well saying that RJ should be punished because he didn't go to the rivals camp. I'm. I'm saying it's more of a symptom of a, a a kind of a strange thing with him where he is not outgoing. He's not. Uh, I think you've tried to set up interviews with him, Josh, where he just hasn't shown up. Uh, he, and, yeah, he has canceled on me a couple of times. So and it's it's kind of an odd deal when you. It, and look, I was thinking about this driving home uh, this morning. I you know. Would Jermaine Gresham have probably gone to a lot of camps when he was coming out of high school? Probably not, because he was very, you know, introverted and to himself and just wasn't big on doing interviews and stuff. I mean, you, I remember you having to go to Ardmore just to see the kid and get pictures of him because he just wasn't an outgoing personality. And maybe, maybe Henderson's kind of the same way. Only in the world of high school recruiting could the number 27th ranked player in the country be felt like he's getting shit on. It's so dumb. Not recruiting, just kids these days. Jack, it's kids it's these so days. dumb. I, I think it's the dumbest thing that we have to be involved Has in. Has he said anything on Twitter? No. About it or anything? No, but I, I got tagged a bunch once I put that little list out on, on uh-huh. Twitter, and everyone started tagging him. Why did he drop? But The, the second he, dumbest thing behind the kid being upset that he's the 27th ranked player in the country is grown men being upset for him. Grow up. <laughs> <laughs> but he has not responded. He hasn't like I don't I didn't see him liking any of those tweets. I, I don't even know if he's aware of what has gone on because I haven't seen him on social media here lately. But like I said, I'm not I'm not saying he should be punished, but I am kind of saying, hey, play the game a little bit, be personable. That never hurts anybody. And so, he s- still might be the right. I would imagine rival still has him ranked higher than any other service. He just yeah. took a little drop instead of being in the top the top 10. I don't 
No, if he's if yeah. He, so stop with your rivals hates OU. <laughs> he's still he's still ranked higher at rivals than he is anywhere else. But I can see fans get mad because they feel like oh you dropped a number two because of the they I mean Alabama they got the four star commitment I can't remember was it a defensive end uh, that they got yesterday uh, I mean yeah they have fi- they have fifteen commits so that's two more two than more than OU. OU so you would expect them to have made that leap and OU yeah, I mean had, it is Alabama OU had leaped them with thirteen commitments when they had fourteen so yeah you have a rankings redistribution or whatever but. Also, Alabama got an extra guy, and right. now there's this. It looks like a huge gap now between one and two. So, but back to Spencer Rattler uh, and kind of your thoughts there, Bob. Well, what I said on the message board, I know some people probably don't like it, but Spencer Rattler, another kid that just didn't go through the the rivals camp process, and he's a Nike guy, which is fine. But if you limit the rivals analyst ability to do their job because you you. don't just want to watch a two-minute highlight video where he looks awesome and you're talking about making someone a five-star which i would say at rivals is more coveted than any other network because we give fewer away and you just you want to see a kid in person if you're going to give him a five-star yeah because you want to see everything about the kid because i don't disagree i forget who said about like looking at his character how he's carrying himself off off the field i agree that should go into it but if you don't get all three days of the elite 11 you get zero of those three three days you didn't get to see that you didn't get to see how he interacted with the other quarterbacks how he took the coaching from the quarterback coaches that were there, how he looked spinning it, all you know, all that type of stuff. You heard he was great. Everyone says he was great, but if you didn't see it, it's really hard to make that leap. I was talking about this this morning. It's like I don't. I almost, you know, for OU fans, I wish he wasn't. You know, I, I hope he doesn't become like the MVP of the Elite Eleven because in recent history, there's some terrible results there. Like there's there was one. What was it? Deshaun, I think Deshaun Watson lost out to Sean White, that horrible quarterback from Auburn that broke it, that allegedly broke his arm against OU. I think he just knew he was getting killed and just quit. But that's who beat out Deshaun White. And there were some other quarterbacks in that class, too, that ended up being really good. But like it's like almost become a curse to be the MVP of the Elite 11. I think the uh, Blake Barnett kid was the MVP, went to Alabama. I'm trying to look up the uh, the past finalist. Yeah, go if you go to the Elite Eleven page, it shows you every it's a year. Nice website. It is a nice. I put website. together a, a list yeah. yesterday within that Dax Hill thread, and it's it's staggeringly bad. Like everyone that thinks, oh well, he was Elite Eleven MVP, that should mean something. If it means something, it's probably not good because I mean, like they had Jameis Winston and Matt Stafford were the two. Like, okay, that's a hit. And Jameis Winston two, was a guys. triple. Co-MVP. Yeah. <laughs> With Neil Burcham, who, who? Tanner Mangum, the guy at BYU lost his damn job last year. All right, 2016 is uh, Also, Jake Heaps, Jake Heaps was an MVP of the Elite 11. Tua Tagliova. He played at Kansas, Miami, and BYU. He played at three different schools. Yeah, Tua Toa Viloga was the MVP last year. He hasn't started a game. Was Justin, <laughs> was, was Shea Patterson, Shea 2015. Patterson, Shea Patterson over, well, that was like Shane Bouchelle. Was Justin Fields the winner last year or yes. Trevor Lawrence? Yep. Okay. Yeah, Justin yep. Fields was. Yeah. Blake Barnett, 2014. 2013 was, was that Sean White. It shouldn't be surprising that some of these guys failed. Sean White was MVP over Kyle Allen, who hadn't done anything yet. Will Greer, who has. Gerard mm-hmm. Hurd, who moved to receiver. Brad Kaya, who started at Miami. He left earlier, right? Jacob Park, who was at Iowa State, that... Lost his job, and Eddie loved Jacob. Park, Eddie's guy, uh, Deshaun Watson. Oh, he sh- shaved points against Texas, and last then year. Sean White was your MVP. Like some of this stuff doesn't make sense when you look at it, and that's like, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a good thing if Spencer Rattler's the MVP of the Elite Eleven. Twenty twelve, uh, twenty twelve had get Jared Goff. That's pretty cool. And the right. last MVP that was an but Oklahoma Jared Goff wasn't signing? the MVP. No, he was there. It was. Asiante Woolard, who went to UCLA and was never heard from again. Malik well, Zaire, he beat out Malik Zaire, Jared Goff, uh, Joshua Dobbs, who was terrible. Luke Del Rio's terrible. Uh, Max Brown was terrible. Christian Hackenberger just oh, got man. cut. 2011, 
Zeke Pike. No. That guy. He, he was the win. MVP? No, he didn't oh. win. They had co-MVPs. Neil Burcham, Tanner Mangum, and uh, Jameis Winston. Oh, that was the th- try-MVP. Yep. That was probably 2010 was Jeff idea. Driscoll, who was just a <laughs> train wreck. You guys worked so hard. We're going to give all three of you guys They're throwing MVPs. dimes out there. Throwing all dimes. three of them. And to add to I'm the negative quarterback's coach. Guys, I'm just the guy that loves football. The only time OU's had an, uh, as a signee win the MVP, Rhett Bomar. Car salesman. Uh, you know, he cleaned them for sure. I mean, or pretend to. So, uh, I mean, I, I and think. And by the way, Sam Bradford not invited. Yeah. So don't he, just rip on us for him being a three star. He wasn't even invited to legal. Well, I think a lot of these guys, and especially back in 2005 or, you know, 2006 through. I think just recently you've seen the Elite 11 become as big as it is because guys are actually participating in it. I think back, you know, when we were growing up, we had other things going on during the summer. Whether it be playing baseball or AAU basketball, there was an AAU uh, a video that was been making its rounds on uh, Twitter and Facebook last night that uh, it was a athlete's first game in 2005 with, uh, oh, God damn it. I'm gonna. F- I forgot who it was. It was Kevin Durant, uh, Ty Lawson, Sam Bradford, and Blake Griffin playing against each other in an AAU tournament. It's pretty cool. Brody Croyal, MVP. Brock Berlin. I forgot about that dude. Yeah, Brody Croyal won it over Matt Leinart, Kellen Clemens, Kyle Orton, DJ Shockley. Man. Some names. I mean, for the most part, though, those are names that were all highly recruited guys. It's it's funny that the Elite 11 stuff gets, you know, not bagged on, but they it's usually a pretty good collection of quarterbacks, or the highly ranked quarterbacks, obviously. Generally, three to four of the Elite 11 guys go on to be Somebody's. really big right. names in college football. So it's just the... Like Vince Young wasn't MVP. It was Ben Olsen who went to UCLA. And he was a good college player. I like Kyle Wright in 02. I remember walking into uh, walking to one of OU spring practices and him showing up. He was on that road tour like across the country. Yeah. And he showed up at OU's game and like literally walking into practice with him. Like I, I didn't like realize Kyle, at the time. I like, I like Kyle Wright until he played in the U.S. Army game and every other pass was in the back of somebody's helmet. Are you making a Trevor Lawrence prediction now? Do you want to go ahead? He's just terrible when the, when they play games. I mean, he doesn't throw it in the back of people's helmets. He just throws it to the other team. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's a completed pass, technically. So. <laughs> Ran off Hunter Johnson. He did. North, he did. North, I, Northwestern. I'll be real interested to see if Kelly Bryant can hold him off. I, I think Trevor Lawrence is unbelievable, but we'll see. Um, he was definitely crap in the Army Bowl. There's no doubt about Justin it. Justin Fields so. made him look like a bitch in the the <laughs> opening finals last year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, look at the next probably – you take Stafford and Winston out of it. The next guy that you're going to say, okay, that's the best guy of the group, is either Aaron Murray, who did nothing in the NFL, had a nice college career at Georgia. Really nice. Lane, yeah. Blaine Gabbert, who was still kind of – I mean, he was a top 10 pick, and I thought he had some ability, but he was a train wreck in the NFL. Mark Sanchez or Brody Croyle? I mean, that that's the next, that's the second tier of Elite 11 winners. Bobby Reed, just Elite 11 off. finalist. Yeah, I mean, it, look, the, the guys with the most success on the whole were not the MVPs. I mean, the Heisman Trophy winners... Was there an MVP that was a Heisman Trophy winner? Winston. Jameis Winston, okay. Yep, that was the only one. the only one, yep. And he's the only one that I think was even a finalist. I don't think Stafford ever was. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, yeah. You might make a bet on Justin Fields, but other than that. I mean, none of this really matters. Justin it's Fields just... and Jameis Winston, also the only two guys I can think of that were dual sport, legitimate two sport guys, right? I think that were MVPs. Yeah. Did Tebow come out in 98? No, he played in 2008. 98. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> what am I saying? He, he would have 
he probably would have. He definitely would have been at this thing. I know six uh, or oh seven. I remember 06. with with Cody Thomas. He was such in a baseball frame of mind that he did not do anything. I think it was either at the Nike Regional or at the opening itself, where he was like docked almost a full star based on his performance. Yeah, was, he was so bad. He was in such a baseball mindset during that time period that he wasn't really in the. You know, trying to be a football guy during that part of the summer. Tebow was I in love, 05. He was with Matt Stafford. I love Cody Thomas, but I think everybody knew that. I mean, he was. Everybody knew he was a baseball player. He was a baseball player playing football. But he, I mean, to me, when we went and saw him in high school, like, I thought he was going to be more like a Jason White type player. But oh, yeah. he was great. But he. He was great for that spring game that we went down to. I mean, he had no receivers, no talent around him whatsoever, and he was just throwing bombs everywhere. And Josh, you remember that seven-touchdown game we saw against Hurd and Denton Geyer where Cody threw for five and he ran for two more? Yeah, he ran over a guy. Yes. That's still one of the best high school performances I've ever watched. That was incredible. And I mean, he was, he was, he was so bad uh, once you know he had to become the starter. Like that Tech game... Uh, on the road, they had to literally stop letting him throw the ball and just give it to Samaj P. Ryan, which worked, and then which worked, and they blew them out. And then the OSU game, you knew once P. Ryan went down with that sprained ankle, like they were probably screwed because they had to just hold on for dear life because that was as ugly as an offense has looked since Nate Hibble was a quarterback at Oklahoma. He was not a good quarterback. They still almost won that game, despite. Uh, re-kick. That was the re-kick. Yep. Yeah. Not guys. The, I'm gonna not guess the most that notable. the two, 2006 Elite Eleven. I'm gonna guess those guys had a good time. Ryan Mallett, Stephen Garcia, and Keith Nickel all together. <laughs> well, I Keith bet you they Nickel, were some. Keith Nickel wasn't a troublemaker. Was he not? I kind of had it no, in my head. He was. No. No, I don't know. He's if like an were, investment. If you guy wear now. Timberlands and uh, Bluetooth around, you're you're hiding something. He's like an well, Mallet and Garcia can carry the party for anybody. I remember old Jared Lee. A lot of Lee. trips to the uh, parking lot. Was it Jarrett Lee? Who was the receiver that came out from uh, Brenham the year after that? Was it Tolliver? Uh, Kid that yeah. was LSU? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah Terrence Tolliver. That guy that really Brian Broyle started to make his name against at a Nike camp that year. The so. When Terrence Tolliver chose LSU, that was the first time I had heard a coach accuse the SEC of cheating. Well, you it is real rampant this year. I've heard a lot of conversation. It's been very interesting to follow. As in it's getting worse? Uh, Imagine that, the feeling. NCAA that um, is letting things get out well, of Yeah, hand. they're like, well, the FBI thing blew up, but nobody's doing anything since, so might as well just Free keep going. Game. I, I've heard of more than one new staff in town just throwing their weight around. So You talking about LSU? I, I've heard of no, no. My, I mean, my like first, first thought year was guys. My first thought was Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee. I I mean, he's off Nick's. <laughs> well yeah, I mean I can see with with it. Georgia like it is now. I mean with the, the Alabama you connection have to. there. You have to. Because if they know it's going on at one place, they're just going to keep doing it at another place. Everybody wants to. Everybody has to chase the dragon almost. Well, yeah. I mean, what's Nick going to do? Report Tennessee for going dirty when they know all the dirt? Uh, exactly. When when Pruitt knows everything that's happened in Tuscaloosa in the last decade. No. Same with Smart. Yeah. Oh no. I mean that that's the thing. They've got the power of knowledge. Like they can lord that stuff over each other. Big Twelve needs to start doing that. By the way, a lot of a lot of a lot of uh, discussion the last couple of days over this Mike Holder stuff, the uh, Pistol Firings podcast. Yeah, it. I listened to it last night. It's pretty damn good. I I was surprised. First off, there's no way in hell if Oklahoma State doesn't win the national championship, Mike Holder ever even thinks about going on that podcast. If they do win a national championship, if they didn't, if they oh. wouldn't have won golf, and he's in it, oh, such a good I mood. see what you're saying. Yeah, like, yeah, he's he been just Mister Radio. Lately. He comes off so arrogant. I didn't really think it was so arrogant. I think it was just an observation that everybody is kind of, you know, butthurt about all of a sudden about the, the recruiting Mike Gundy about the recruiting side of things. Yeah, because I mean it's true. I mean, look, I was saying the same. Like Baylor 
is no longer a factor. And and if I'm Mike Holder, I'm probably sitting there saying, well, Baylor really became a recruiting power. Now they're gone, and we're not really step. No one's really stepping up to fill that void. Yeah. Now TCU, there I, I looked it up. They're like thirty uh, fourth or something, and OSU is forty third. Uh, so TCU, and that's what we forget. Since TCU has joined the Big Twelve, they used to be sixty six, sixty seven all the time. Even when they were going to the Rose Bowl and beating, yeah, uh, beating Wisconsin or who was it? They was it Wisconsin they yeah. played in the Rose Bowl? Yeah, it was. Uh, they have so. really stepped up their recruiting since they've joined the Big 12. I think it, it's been part helped by just being in a legitimate conference. You can get guys yeah. to buy into the program a little bit easier. but And they've stole some recruits from OU. Yeah, and they've, done, they've just flat out done well. Yeah, you can keep kids at home because you can tell them you're playing elite competition instead of you're playing Mountain West. And that was how Baylor did it. I mean, they just said, hey, stay close to home. Play play in your home state. And Texas was sucking. And they were able to kind of become leeches off of that. Uh, But, I mean, to me, Oklahoma State... They have every right to kind of step into that role and be, but I mean, Oklahoma State, they don't really even. I mean, how many recruits can you guys think of where they battled OU and won and won in the end? Not very many. Yeah. I mean, in, in the last four or five years. Even most recently, I guess it would be like a Grayson Boomer, but I don't know how much how much interest was there really from Oklahoma's side of like that. Like Andrew Rame or Rom or whatever might be the one guy that they've kind of gotten his head a little bit in recent years. I mean, who was the I, the kid from Bixby? Bryce Bray. Bryce that, Bray. Bryce Bray. Mm-hmm. And even that, I mean, you know, Bob maybe maybe heard differently, but I had heard at the time. I mean, don't get me wrong. Oh, you liked Bryce Bray that, that they would have taken him, but I don't get the impression they were pushing for him. You know, they had some other guys. They wanted to see what played out. You know, with uh, with some of the other guys, they actually ended up signing. So there, there's not a there wasn't this big urgency like we got to get him locked down. So I think when he jumped, they were okay with that. I mean, they still landed. You know, um, I mean, you had room that left room for guys like Daryl Simpson, and Bray Walker, and obviously they play different positions, but it it's still just more about making sure that you could fit guys in, and I think it also allowed them to look at Tremonda more. Yeah. The the thing I got most out of the Mike Holder interview, which it was a it was a great interview because I I don't I can't remember an athletic director just being that forthcoming. Those guys do a great podcast. Yeah, Kyle Porter and Carson Cunningham do a great job with that. Uh, it's different, though, recruiting five, three guys in a recruiting class for a golf team than it is 30 guys for a, re- yeah. for a football recruiting but class. But I think he sees it as, okay, Carson Creek's a great facility. It's the we number have, one. I mean, it's We a, have a great facility. I mean, if you take facilities right now across the country, uh, I think you know, OU is now way up in the stratosphere with like Oregon, uh, Alabama. Clemson is way up there now. Texas A&M is about as high as you can get. UCLA's new practice facility is great, but they're still playing in an old antiquated stadium in the Rose Bowl. USC has the same problem playing in the Coliseum. You can have a great football facility, but you're still playing in a dump. Um, in front of 25,000 people. In a half empty care stadiums. less about what you're yeah. doing. Uh, I'm trying to think. Um, I don't know a whole lot about like Florida or Florida State or... I, I thought Florida State's facilities were nice when we were down there, but, I mean, it wasn't anything just out of this it world. It reminded me a lot of OUs at the time. Yeah. Before they yeah. built the South End Zone. Yeah. I do remember there was major backlash for Florida State when Jimbo Fisher was talking about the facility upgrade in College Station. Like I, why he left like and stuff? Florida State writers started showing all the facilities – and, and tell, they were like shocked. Yeah, and like this is bad. This is your version of bad. Hmm. Well, but what I'm saying, point being, Oklahoma State is not far off from all those those teams that we mentioned in terms of facilities. And, no, and now and they've got an indoor that that thing up there is. I mean, it's extremely nice. Yeah. Uh, but, as far as just a indoor practice facility, and I think the that north end zone or the. What is that? I guess that'd be the West End Zone of the Gallagher's where thing. they've redone everything in there. That's a nice facility. Oh yeah, it's all inside, yeah. and I mean, even the basketball facilities are fantastic. But I guess that's what Holder is looking at. He's saying, "Look, we have some of the best facilities in the country, yet we're not even like Baylor. They were doing well with crap facilities from the outside. And yeah, they were probably cheating. Looking in, I felt like once 
OSU lost Ronald Jones to USC, yeah. that made Mike Gundy gun shy after going after any elite kid ever again. Because they yeah. thought they had Jones and he was committed for a while, if 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 I remember right. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean he was at the I felt bad because he was at the Rivals five star in Baltimore and uh somebody was like, The Oklahoma guys are over there and he came up to me and he's like, I'm ready for my interview. I was like <laughs> Oh, I don't cover Oklahoma State, Ronald. I'm sorry. I I said well, I I could interview you, but you know we don't have any. There's nothing I could do with it, so I'm sorry. And and then and I don't want to waste your time. And, and once he flipped, I just feel like OSU has gone back to finding, trying to find the under the radar three star guy that they think fits their system instead of going for the elite guy that could maybe change perception of the program. By the way, Eddie, if you want a truther uh, moment there. You can make it out like Ronald Jones decommitted because the OSU rival site didn't show up. I mean, they show up anywhere. So, I mean, honestly, I don't think they show up anywhere. So I, I don't know if that can actually be a truth or moment. That'd be like saying that. Oh. <laughs> Let's not rip on fellow publishing sites. Meh. So, guys, something you guys said earlier, and I don't mean to dive back into it, but it got me started, and I, I made a post on the board about this just now. Uh-oh. We were, I, I got to Are thinking about the rankings on other sites. You know, everybody's so freaked out about Spencer Rattler and R.J. Henderson. Okay. I, so I took Theo, Spencer, and R.J. and did their average rankings. Spencer on Rivals is 35. On ESPN, he's 113. On 247, uh, 247 he's 22. Theo is 3. On rivals, 51 on 247 and 55 on ESPN. RJ is 27 on rivals right. now that he's fallen precipitously, quote unquote. <laughs> 247, he's 172. Exactly. Yeah. And ESPN, he's 97. So the average of the three for all of rivals hates OU garbage, the average for the three, rivals 21.66 is their average ranking for those three players. 24-7, 81.66, ESPN, 88.3. So suck it, 24-7 and ESPN. <laughs> it's not even, it's not like they're wrong. I'm just, I, I get so tired of this thing that's like, oh, oh, you, they're out to get us, blah, blah, blah. That was born from years ago under different ownership at Rivals, and people can't, like, it's become some that kind of mantra. 24-7, by the way, it, it, who have them rated so lowly. Yes, yes. I mean, you know, whatever. Let's say let's say what it is. It's born out of Jamarcus McFarland and DeMarco Murray. That's what it is? That's where it all started? Really? Yes. DeMarco, DeMarco Murray, was a big part of DeMarco it. DeMarco Murray the lost his fifth star. Uh-huh. Uh, and then Jamarcus McFarland lost his in the very last ranking update, which the, we weren't wrong, really. I mean, on Jamal. Yeah, yeah, looking back on it, based on the production and the, well, I guess he kind of, he because has an asterisk because of the What the it was, it was because uh, there was an article written by Thayer Evans that was very anti-Texas. That was the New York Times thing, right? Was that New York? That wasn't, was he working for New York Times then? The one where they followed his recruitment and yeah. had the... I'm pretty sure that was a New York Times article. Uh, I think you're right. Now that I'm Oh, it was it. Yeah. Under, under Mr. Evans. And then it turned into a, you know, Bobby Burton did this because he was with Rivals. He's now with 24-7, and he's a Texas guy. So and, and to be fair, Bobby called us to warn us before, like, this is going to happen. I just wanted you guys to know. It's not anything personal, blah, blah, blah. But we knew it was going to... That everybody was going to go apeshit, and they did. Because it looked bad. And, you know, back then I was so I was so young and I couldn't really speak up about certain things. There was some element of stink to some of those rankings. I would talk to people afterward and it was like, he hasn't even seen this guy and he's got to be this, that, or the other. And you're like, okay. And then I would see Bobby in San Antonio at the Army game and like he's just kind of hanging out and then afterwards he'd have his thoughts on all these players. I'm like, you didn't watch that guy. And I knew he didn't. And yeah, that's he had not way too much. Yeah, no, but he had. That was a guy that it's much better now because the the guys that actually make the rankings are the national analysts. Back then, it was a guy sitting. I, I mean, not 
just to use this phrase because I know it was a guy sitting in an ivory tower just saying this guy I I think this I think oh that. this guy number thirty <laughs> yep and I like Bobby Bobby is a great guy like he was always good to me to work with and that kind of thing but it doesn't change that he wasn't really evaluating anybody and it was just a you know, like, oh, I saw one play of that guy. Oh, I really like him. Well, you can't do it like that. It's not how it works. Yeah, but we don't have, like, John Tallman is the head of rivals now. It's not like he sits around and says, <coughs> oh, this guy has to be ranked here. He leaves it up to the national analyst. I'll guarantee you that John couldn't tell you who the number one guy in Texas is right now. So <laughs> He's got more important things to do. Yeah, he, he's got bigger fish to fry. So, anyway, I mean, the rivals five star is going to be coming up. Um, the opening is right after that, so... There's all this kind of stuff going on. The opening apparently is banning all, not banning, but they won't credential any rivals people. I'm still waiting to hear back. Uh, Same. I haven't heard. I'm holding hope. I've kept up with all our other publishers, and uh, I know Brian Stump has told them, well, it's open to the public as their official response. So it, it looks like rivals is being... So when you don't see a bunch of opening coverage and you wonder, oh, why don't you guys cover the opening... We haven't been credentialed to to cover it, and, and part of that is hard feelings. I think. I mean, between the fact that rivals is having, and there have been stupid little battles, and I'm not one to, you know, probably talk about stupid little battles since I have my, plenty of my own. Uh, but there have been, you know, kind of ridiculous little stunts that have been pulled over the years, and and the whole way this is set up is, you know. It's the Elite 11, the student sports, Nike. It's like ESPN got rid of all their high school stuff, which they used to be in charge of. Right. Uh, and Bob was kind of a part of some of that stuff. Uh, so it's it's this whole, it's kind of bastardized organization that now runs the opening, but it's behind the Nike umbrella, whereas you know the Rivals 5 Star, it's all controlled by us. We do everything. We have a partner in Adidas. You know, it used to be Under Armour. But we control it all. So, and because we don't allow any other media in there, uh, you know, people get upset about that. But that's, you know, personally myself, I'd be all for letting you know twenty four seven people come or letting uh, other media outlets come and cover it because I'm for you know journalism. I, I something I, to be said for act, people actually going out and doing it. You yes. Know? Yeah. I like mean, I would have no problem. I appreciate with that. people. Whether they work for rivals or not, if they're going out and seeing kids in person, if somebody wants to fly to Atlanta and come watch kids and spend money to, for their you know subscriber base, I respect that. But I don't think rivals is going to change that policy. Uh, and even if they did come, it's just like the U.S. Army. We can go to that, but we don't have like great access. I mean, like it practices the twenty four seven people could be out on the field, and we have to sit in the stands. And we can talk to kids afterwards. I'd almost, I I would be for rivals doing the you know our five star the same way where we're allowed to be on the field with the kids be up close get our pictures and then the twenty four seven people you know could be up in the stands and you know they could try and get interviews after and stuff like that but uh, so I, that, all that being said that is not why the opening is mad at us and not you know credentialing us it's strictly a Nike versus Adidas and it used to be a Nike versus Under Armour pissing match so. The Rivals 250 is out. Do we want some rapid reaction on that? I know OU has nine nine commits. Yeah, you guys know what it is. I mean, you might be willing to to share some of that. Even before it came out, I mean. And I missed a couple. Yeah, Austin Stogner, Jamal Morris, Joseph Wette, Marcus Hicks, EJ and Doma Ogar. Eddie, I think Bob's including the guys that were already in the 100, too. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. you got to. Nine of the 13 commits right now are in the the 250. Yeah. That's just unbelievable. We know. And one thing that that came out of this whole discussion about Mike Holder that we talked about, that I've been talking to people about is, you know, and we've talked about this before because somebody, I I was talking to uh, Kyle Porter this morning, and and he said he had been looking up. you know, teams that have been in the college football playoff and where their recruiting rankings are. And he said, do you know who has the worst ranking of teams that have been in the, the college football playoff? And I said, yeah, absolutely I do, because I've looked this up before. It's Oklahoma. Like, yeah, they average, absolutely. like, number 14, I think it was when I figured it out, over all the span of years since college football playoff has started. 
uh, uh, they were the you know they averaged out a number fourteen ranking over the years. Whereas I think you I think uh, Ohio State was like second. Alabama was obviously one. Uh, Clemson had climbed like in the top ten, so they weren't like three, four, five. So I mean, those have been the teams that have dominated the college football playoff, and now Georgia's coming into it. I'm sure they'll be there many times moving forward. Uh, but the th- point about it is like what Lincoln Riley is doing now is even more impressive, and I think it's going to lead to Oklahoma being a bigger fact, an even bigger factor than they have been in the college football playoff because. You start, Josh, I mean, if you move from the number 14 team to the number 3-4 team, to me that doesn't mean your team is necessarily that much better. Here's what it means for me, and this is what I think it means, is that when you have injuries during a season, which everybody has, Alabama has them, Clemson has them, uh, Ohio State has them, then if you have consistently you're getting a top five recruiting class, it is much more likely that you're going to be able to replace a key injury throughout the course of a season that will allow you to win more games. Whereas, you know, if you lose a left tackle at Alabama, it doesn't kill your season. If you lose a left tackle at Oklahoma State, it can destroy your season. Oh, it's absolutely right. You know, and I think a good example of it is something I mentioned to you guys that I'd heard pretty recently is that it sounds like Deshaun White's going to get his start as, as Mike Linebacker, backing up Kenneth Murray. So if OU loses Kenneth Murray, instead of running Caleb Gastelum out there, they're running a freshman Army All-American out yeah. there. Like it, it's, it's, it's just a totally different animal. Now, White's going to be young and immature and all those things, but you've got the physical tools you need, and now we've got to teach him and get him right. So you're absolutely right. Here's a good example. And, and Oklahoma on the offensive side of the ball is where – they really have never had a drop-off because they recruited so well. Defensively is when you get the Caleb Gastelum stuff happening or the safety stuff happening. Brian Mead, Reuben oh. Hunter. Yeah, the linebacker stuff. I mean, but like at running back, like Oklahoma's never had a problem there. Like they lose a great player. They, re- I mean, even when DeMarco Murray went down, Chris Brown was a hell of a back. I mean, he, was a, he, shouldn't, he shouldn't have been getting as many carries as he did uh, with DeMarco Murray on his team. But he was a really good back. He wasn't the lone reason they lost the national championship to Florida. Uh, but even now, I mean, you have Samaj P. Ryan, you have Joe Mixon now, you know, Abdul Adams, you think he's going to be the starter, but then Trey Sermon starts to come on, and then, oh, holy shit, uh, look at uh, Rodney Anderson. That's like, a- he all of a sudden, he comes to life. So, you know, it's like that at the running back position, it's like that at the receiver position. like everybody thought, I was rewatching the Ohio State game that was on the other night. Jeff Bidette played a huge role in that game, and everybody thought he was going to be this great player. All of a sudden, uh, Hollywood Brown becomes a big factor on that K-State game. and just Brown didn't even play in the Buckeyes game. Yeah, didn't play at all in that game. I mean, so, and, the, and remember, they lost Mark Andrews for the majority of that game, but they had Grant Calcaterra. So, offensively, you see where the recruiting has helped Oklahoma. They need that to happen on the defensive side of the ball because that's where they really haven't had it. And just to that point, I mean, we talk about P. Ryan. That was supposed to be Keith Ford's team. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he started against Tennessee that year before he broke his was ankle or whatever. So, I don't know. That's just kind of what I take out of the recruiting more than if you have a top five team, it's going to directly lead to a team that can win a national championship. I mean, look at Alabama. They put in a quarterback that was a freshman last year that led him to a national championship. It was depth, and it's always been depth for Alabama. I mean, look at all those linebackers they lost a year ago. Well, let me ask you guys this. Uh, coming up to the five-star, I know what's the expectation here in terms of, because you got the opening, are we going to really kind of go through this period where we're trying to figure out who's going to show, who's not going to show? That's my number one concern is that if there's any sort of power play about if you go to Atlanta, you can't go to Frisco or... And there's been some talk that Nike's trying to pull that on some people. I mean, that would be terrible, but I mean, I... And I don't know... Trent Dilfer's such a douchebag. <laughs> and I don't know if people... Well, I don't think Dilfer's the one doing it. Yeah. I mean, I could see Dilfer kind of getting involved in that, but Everybody he doesn't have an ESPN job anymore. And I'm not sure if you're a kid from California, can you afford a trip to Atlanta and then come right back to Dallas? I mean, I mean, it's all free, but you're saying, can you afford the the flight? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. 
They don't have to pay what for anything. Saying, on your body, can you handle the wear and tear? They, they're, they're high kids. school kids. Yeah, they can do that. I mean, it's they don't give a shit about that. They're like, free trip to Atlanta, boom. Free trip to... <laughs> they probably think they're playing in Jerry World. They probably don't know that they're just playing at a practice facility. It's yeah. Which, by the I way, fixing, it's probably in Atlanta, I, we're playing... It, it, it is the Mercedes Dome or whatever they call it. It's where the Falcons play. It's where the national championship was. It's where the national championship was. It'll right. probably be whatever their uh, seven on. It's up to probably their seven on seven coaches and what they think they should do over the summer. There it is. Now Eddie's just trying to instigate me. He's trying to <laughs> get me upset. I'm not going to do it, Eddie. There's probably a big seven on seven tournament in uh, Hermosa Jeez, Beach over the weekend that they won't be able to leave because everybody knows that championships are won in the summer. I, you know, that's that's what it always feels like in College Station when I damn near die from the heat. That is. That's the worst event in the whole country. I'll go ahead and put it out there. The Texas State 7-on-7. Seven seven. Not that it's a bad event. It's really well run. It's amazing how well they run it. It's ungodly hot. Like it, 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 Guys, we do this all the time. We're always standing out in the heat, and it's awful and terrible. It's like nothing I've ever felt. It's just, just terrible. But to the question we're talking about, guys, do you think this is the first year ever? I think it is. I, I feel pretty confident in this answer that – uh, you know, rivals, whoever, whether you want to say Under Armour, Adidas, or whatever, has the clear advantage in site and location. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Star is a nice little practice facility, but it's a yeah. practice facility. I mean, the whole, That's where the teams whole play hook. high school games. Yeah, the whole hook was seeing Nike's headquarters. It's a tiny little, yeah, it's a tiny little indoor high school stadium. Yep. It's nice. It really is. It's nicer than most of those kids are going to have played in. I get that. But one is that. And one is the most ridiculous new stadium in the NFL. And you're talking like Austin Stogner, Theo Weiss. I mean, th- these guys—they're like 30 minutes away. It yeah, it's not—they know what's not that big of a deal to them. I would think well, every kid from Texas would be in Atlanta. Yeah, and, and I've talked to Theo. I, I asked Theo, I was like, "Have you heard anything from Nike? Any kind of pressure?" And he's like, "No, I hadn't heard a word." Because I think they know that's a thing they would lose. Yeah, they know that a kid, you know, from Dallas, they can't get him to not go to Atlanta and, pl- and yeah. you know, get to run around for two days where the the Falcons play. Mm-hmm. Be yep. in their locker rooms. Though the one cool trip I was going to do this summer, thanks Nike, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. I, instead, I'll just wait to go and sweat my ass off in the Texas Seven on Sevens. Uh yeah. I just I don't understand it. But no, Josh. I mean, what, what? 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 Tell me about kind of the feedback you you've gotten. You said you act talked to Weiss. Um, is it just kind of checking with guys here over the next couple of weeks to see who's going, who's staying? Yeah, you know, and really stuff like that. I try to wait until probably about ten days out because you. A lot of times, this stuff that you know that kind of happens in the background, it will happen late. You know, they're kind of. And that way the kid doesn't have time to think about it. He's got to make a split decision. And that's when, you know, if you feel like you have the advantage, maybe you can push your line and you can push what you want to be, the, you know, I guess what you want the kid to do. So we'll see. I, I would be very surprised if Nike does this, especially considering the choice they've made of venue and that kind of thing. They, they've weakened their brand a little bit. And it's strange to me that they would try to play that game. So we'll see what happens. But I don't think there's any question – that Adidas is very aware of it. They're very conscious that they're trying to get all these kids on campus. And, you know, that's why you're seeing all these, you know, invites going out lately and they're, they're signing guys up and taking care of that kind of thing. So I think it's going to be a good camp for us. I mean, I think we're going to see plenty of guys. Um, you, you know, you talk about that's the best thing about this is when we get to see these elite national guys that we would either struggle to see or wouldn't see at all that are OU is involved with, you know, the Chris Steels and that kind of thing. You get a chance to watch those guys, so that's kind of awesome. Uh, okay, just in terms of, uh, you know, satellite camps were going on. Uh, OU's uh, on-campus camp was going on last week, a couple different sessions. And I think we kind of joked a little bit about the uh, level of talent that was there. But That wasn't a joke. That was a, a pure statement. But really, just going out there... Uh, I mean, we thought, you know, there'd be four or five guys, and that's kind of what it ended up being. Uh, but I, I would say, yeah, that second session especially, definitely, Bob, more, more than worthwhile to go to. Right. I mean, not only to see guys like Trace Ford and Cole Mashburn sort of state their case as to why they should be offered, but it's about those 2020 Texas kids, Prince 
Dorba, and things DJ seem to Graham. be going really well with him. Yes. with Dorba. Yeah, and you know, and that was his first trip, and you know, so maybe that's a game changer. Maybe you had to get him on campus in an environment like that to try to you know make up ground. I know a lot of people think he's eventually going to head to Texas, and a lot of those kids that were at OU Tuesday went to Texas on Sunday. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the game. That's how you have to play it. But it's just good to get those guys on campus and let them experience the facilities and stuff of that nature. The camp itself doesn't really show much, especially now they're not even wearing pads. Yeah. So it kind of it, it's not about the camp itself. It's about the whole day and what it could mean moving forward. Uh, here's one thing about like Oklahoma State, like, and, and we've all talked about this, but Trace Ford not really in the picture for OU, but. Does he kind of become like that must-get for Oklahoma State? It's strange because he never really mentioned OSU. Same with Houston at Millwood. Like, OSU, they always seem sort of like token finalists for some of these kids. If they have some regional or national offers, it still feels like OSU is sort of in the background. I know with Trace Ford, I have no idea if this could ever happen, but his father grew up a major Florida State fan. He mm-hmm. has the offer from the Seminoles, but I don't know if that means anything. That's you know, so weird three that OSU months wouldn't later. be on him more. It, you know, and that's just sort of the way that it's been. I think OSU's done a better job the last couple of years within the uh, within the state. But you still you look at some at some of those guys. I I don't see where OSU's the clear leader for Ford, the clear leader for Houston, and you would imagine they should be at this point. The other thing that's going to be really interesting, you guys were over at the Owasso camp. Um, I was talking to, uh, you know, like, uh, I work with Michael Doty, who went to OSU, uh, up at the Sports Animal. We were talking about the Dax Hill thing and about kind of, you know, this Holder stuff, how much of a target that puts on Mike Gundy with Dax Hill now. Uh, Because OSU fans probably not going to follow recruiting that closely. They're just going to expect, well, his brother's here. He should come here, too. Uh I did talk to Bill Haston a little bit this morning uh, over at the Tulsa World, and he's spoken to uh, their father quite a bit and keeps in touch with them. And he said he was kind of getting the read like uh, it might the pressure uh, you know that exists now in the state might kind of push him out of state at this point. Um, and I said, "Well, Bill, you realize what you're doing is you're just admitting he doesn't want to go to OSU." Like, and he's like, "Well, I didn't say that, but I guess I am saying that." Uh, I I mean, it seems to me like the OU coaches have, have done a pretty good job with him and staying in touch and stuff. But, I mean, that becomes almost like a battleground recruit now, now that kind of Mike Holder's laid down the gauntlet a little bit with his comments about recruiting. It's maybe a little unfair. He's not going to OSU. And I think OU has handled it well because he's not a kid that wants to be pressured or yeah. like, keep saying, hey, Come join us. Come, come. And when you guys talked to him in Dallas, you talked to Josh. Talk. You talked to him about that, right? He's just not that type of personality. That's going to backfire. That'd be like J.K. Dobbins from a couple of years ago, where if you keep pushing him, it's actually going to push him away. It's not going to mm-hmm. bring him toward you at this point. And now you have Hill, of course, making the official visit to Bama this weekend. So I know a lot of people worried about that one, but you know, you just feel like. You could lose Josh Proctor if you could get Dax Hill. And it's just about Kerry Cooks and Lincoln Riley figuring out the best method of making that happen. Figuring out those buttons to push. Exactly. Well, and that would be, you know, devastating, I think, for OU fans if you lose Josh Proctor and then lose Dax Hill. I mean, uh, two of the best safeties back-to-back that you've seen in the state since Stephen Parker. Josh, kind of, what's your what's your take on the Dax Hill thing? Well, you know, and we did a feature today with Mike Farrell and I, both kind of saying where we thought things. I kind of feel like he's leaning just a little bit toward Alabama, and I think it's some of what you're talking about, uh, which you mentioned with Bill Haith and Kerry, that there is some feeling that can he really pick Oklahoma and just almost throw that right in Oklahoma State's face? I I don't know. I mean, because I, I know. Because it's not just, oh, my brother plays there. He's gone there forever. He's gone to a ton of games. He knows that staff so well. I mean, there is a familiarity there that is very real. And I I don't know, even if he felt like Oklahoma, maybe he chooses Alabama or Ohio State as a 
you know, middle ground. Like, I'm not going to upset anybody with this. Obviously, those are great programs. I can go there and have a lot of success. So, I mean, there's a lot to be said there. I still feel like if all things are equal right now, I, I think he picks Oklahoma. I just don't know if he can kind of fire that shot across Oklahoma State's bow. It's just, it's a very complicated deal. And it, it's so different than the Josh Proctor thing where it's just a kid that, you know, obviously just wanted to try something different and, you know, just, just decided I want to go to Ohio State. So it'll be interesting. And it's going to, like I said, it's going to have, I think no matter what happens, half of the state's going to go nuts. And I'm sure OU, from a perspective, if he goes to Alabama, it'll be, a, you know, what the hell's wrong with our safety recruiting, our defensive back recruiting. That's where you give Kerry Cooks a lot of credit for keeping the the lines of communication open with so many kids. Well, and they did with Proctor, too. I mean, yeah, but like, there was a time when we thought Proctor was going to flip. Well, I'm saying, like, if they don't get Hill, Kerry Cooks has put enough work in with other kids where I think he would be able to bounce back. And we mentioned that before where that seemed to be the downfall of Tim Kish in the past where you're locked in with one kid and you just ride or die with that. Kerry Cooks has got so many different kids that he's still talking to, even if you don't fully believe that the Sooners would take that kid at this moment. If worse comes to worse, he he can always circle back because he never lost sight and he never lost the, that communication. Uh, okay, I feel like I need to say this. The podcast is, is going to be a little shortened this week. We're, we're really trying to stretch our schedules this week. Uh, Eddie and Bob are getting ready to go take over uh, Radio Land together, which is very strange. World domination. Who's the pitcher and who's the catcher? That's weird. I, you got to be the pitcher, right, Eddie? I'm not even going to entertain that. <laughs> I mean, you're That's the, beneath Eddie. <laughs> Eddie is the full-time guy. I mean like the kevin durant thing it's like is it i don't want my name brought up with that son of a bitch did you see the whole bob myers thing though the oh parade? that's brutal oh it did not go well like wanda has got to be pissed her <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen All right, barely an hour and eddie has gotten two f-bombs mark in that on one i don't know why it's so surprising that people cuss if you're offended by cussing you're a pussy. This is the guy that's going to be leading his own show in about 50 this is minutes. Why we, and this is also why we don't have any sponsors. No, it's not. <laughs> that's not the reason at all. <laughs> Bob, I'm a little concerned. Eddie seems edgy today. He's, there, I think he's doing show prep right now. I'm not doing any show prep. Three hours of, wing, of just winging it. You can talk about KD. Just don't say the F word. I admit, Ed, yeah. yeah, I know something that can make Eddie feel better. Eddie sometimes on the podcast has his issues with certain words that he just that don't come out right, or he, he doesn't say them right. Whatever. I have one that I literally cannot conquer, and it's one of damn Laney's bedtime books that I read to her every night. So this is you know for six year olds, and I can't get my head around it. I cannot say the word gasped. That that was actually pretty good, but I had to say it really slowly. G a s p e d. Yeah, for yes. some reason the SP, I, I, I really stumble on it every time. Like, I can't get it out. I don't know why. When I was a kid, I, I couldn't say slow. R's, and they were going to fail me from one oh. class to another. I had a speech impediment as a kid, so, you know, I got that going I for me. I said womb and form. <laughs> and my mom made me, like, desperately spent time with me trying to get to say my R's. Mm-hmm. And I, she's never admitted to this. But now that I look back on my life, I'm like, that was really weird that my mom was so dead set on me getting to say my R's right. Like, that was probably a time where they're just like, we think your kid might be retarded. We're going to fail him because he can't say R. <laughs> I could see that being like part of the curriculum process for school. Well, God, back and you in have the 70s. two of them in your own name. Kelly Murdoch. <laughs> I can just revert right back to it. <clears throat> Yeah, I had a bad speech impediment, and then they realized I was just drinking entirely too much Dr. Pepper, and I I, I slowed down a lot and was fine again. Now, so. I didn't check. Did you admit to the third tattoo? Where it was? No, no. I, I'm enjoying that thread just going where okay. it goes. I thought in last week's podcast I said where all three were, but now I don't want to say it just because that thread's a real joy. Although, 
as I said publicly, the fact that a tramp stamp was is the winning bet right now is hurtful. <laughs> oh, you knew that. that you was knew good. that yeah. exactly. Mm. I, I can I can unequivocally say it's not a tramp stamp. Okay. Doesn't make it any classier, but it's not a tramp stamp. There's so. the calf tat. There's the chest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there's one other one. I think there's you did say one. where it was. I thought I did too, but everybody's acting like there was one person in the thread that said something like, "Did nobody listen to last week's pod?" And clearly they did they, because that's the only way they would have known of it. Yeah, I would. Yeah, exactly. Because you, you but didn't know where three. it was. Yeah. So. Yeah. So it's it's interesting question. All right. Well, I've got to let the boys get out of here. Um, Josh, I'm glad that you joined us today. We were worried. I was getting ready just to play uh, yell talk Josh for a while today if he didn't show up. So you're lucky. I still think that might have been better than my actual contribution. Uh, you can, you can say it. It's okay. All right, uh, Eddie, I hope you get in a better mood by the time you go on the air today. Or maybe you don't I want do too. to. I don't know if I want to. It might be for me. Bob, bless your heart. You're going to spend three hours with this man. I may have to listen. I will listen. So, thank you guys for uh, stopping by on this. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week, maybe with a longer pod. Uh, but remember, Big 12 Media Day is just a month away. Into uh, this month, though, we've got the five-star challenge. Uh, we'll get more recruiting news, I'm sure, next week uh, and come up with some other things to talk about. But thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next time right back here on the Unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Podcasts from Soonerscoop.com.